I have a very, very good friend, my friend Dick. He and his family were members of the church that I pastored in Laverne back in the late 80s and early 90s. And I found almost instantly with Dick, we had so much in common. I don't know if you found this with people you meet for the first time, you engage them in conversation, and you find you have the similar interests, you have similar uh, love for certain kinds of music, you might favor certain uh, baseball teams and so on. You have things in common. So Dick and I were raising kids that were about the same ages. Uh, we discovered very quickly some common interests, chief of which was cycling. Uh, Dick was both a road biker and a mountain biker, and he was a part of the group really that introduced me to mountain biking. And so Dick and I had all these things in common. And that's one of the things I value so often in life, is discovering that I have things in common with other people. And uh, I could do a whole sermon this morning on everything that you and I have in common because of our love for Jesus. I can probably do two or three sermons on that topic. We share so much in common because of Jesus. But I want you to come this morning and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. I want you to come this morning and I want to, I don't know, introduce you is probably not the right word because you've heard the name Barabbas before. I doubt you've ever heard a sermon about Barabbas. He's not exactly one of the heroes of the Bible, right? But I want you to come this morning, and my goal and aim this morning is that you would understand that you and I have a lot in common with Barabbas. He's not the hero of the story. He's what? He's the villain. And in so many ways, you and I have much in common with Barabbas. And so as you open your Bible and you come to Luke chapter 23, you're, you're in the middle of Jesus' journey to the cross. The Garden of Gethsemane experience where he's praying and drops of blood and the disciples are sleeping while he's praying. That's already taken place. He's been arrested. He's been a drug hit before Caiaphas, the high priest, and that mock trial and fake thing that they did with him. Uh, he survived that. And they bring him now in chapter 23 before Pilate. Pilate's the Roman governor that's been put in place. And they bring him to Pilate. And the pilot says very simply in verse 2, he says, I found this man, uh, well, that's not the verse I want, uh, down that he says, I find no grounds, verse 4, I find no grounds for charges in the case of this man. No, he's not guilty, nothing wrong, but he discovers that Jesus is from Galilee. And so Herod ship, or Pilate ships him off to Herod, who's the governor and ruler of the Galilee. Herod is excited to receive Jesus because he has heard about the miracles that Jesus has performed. And so what Herod is hoping for is a little entertainment. And he's hoping that Jesus will come and perform some great sign and that he'll be impressed. He's looking, he's looking to Jesus for entertainment. And he sends Jesus back to Pilate. Again, finding nothing in Jesus worthy of execution. And so we jump in now at verse 13 in this journey to the cross. Now Pilate summoned to himself the chief priests, the rulers, and the people. And he said to them, You brought this man to me on the ground that he's inciting the people to revolt. And behold, after examining him before you, I have found no basis at all in the case of this man for the charges which you are bringing against him. No, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us. And behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Therefore I will punish him and release him. Now he was obligated to release to them at the feast one prisoner. 
was kind of a custom of the day at the time of the Passover that the governor would release a prisoner. And so this becomes kind of the foundation of this story. But they cried out all together saying, Away with this man, release to us Barabbas. He was one who had been thrown into prison for a revolt, which took place in the city and for murder. But Pilate wanted to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept on crying out saying, Crucify, crucify him. And he said to them a third time, Why? What has this man done wrong? I have found in his case no grounds for a sentence of death. Therefore I will punish him and release him. And they were insistent with loud voices, demanding that he be crucified. And their voices began to prevail. And so Pilate decided to have their demand carried out. And he released the man for whom they were asking, who had been thrown into prison for a revolt and murder. But he handed Jesus a silver to their will. And as I said, I want you to discover this morning that you and I have a lot in common with Barabbas. I want you to notice, first of all, in the text, the character of Barabbas. What, what kind of a man was Barabbas? What kind of a guy was he? Uh, first of all, his name is a fascinating name, Barabbas. And you've probably discovered that names in the Bible frequently mean something, right? And so, like you have the name Samuel. Hannah prayed for her son, God gave her a son, and so she named him Samuel. <laughs> Samuel was the asked for one. God had provided what he asked for. Jesus, of course, his name means what? Jehovah saves. Jehovah rescues. So names have meaning. And one of the names that are the kinds of names you frequently read in the Bible begin with the three letters B-A-R. Bar something. So, for example, Simon Peter, Jesus renamed Cephas. There's another name change. And Peter is known as Bar-Jonah, the son of Jonah. So Barabbas, his name means Bar, son of Abbas, father, son of father. Just a simple statement of his name, son of a father. Some have suggested that perhaps Barabbas was the son of a rabbi. And rabbis of that day, the teachers of the day, were frequently referred to as fathers. Uh, I think Nicodemus is called the father of Israel. And so rabbis often had that name. Bar Abbas. And his simple name is son of father. But I want you to notice, secondly, that this man has reputation. This man has a rap sheet, right? Barabbas is not a good guy. Uh, in this text, we learn that he is a... Well, let me back up. Matthew says he is a notable prisoner. He has a reputation. He has notoriety. Barabbas is not some secret unknown guy that's being held in prison. He has notoriety. Everybody knows who Barabbas is. He's a notorious prisoner. Uh, Luke, in our text, refers to him as thrown into prison for insurrection. And that word insurrection has the idea of armed rebellion, an, an outbreak against the government. Uh, wasn't someone charged with insurrection in Washington, D.C. recently? Kind of that same idea. Get that picture in your mind. Overthrow the government. So, he's a notable prisoner. He is 
one who's guilty of insurrection and rebellion. He's a rebel. Um, John tells us he was a robber. He was the thief. He stole. He took things from people. Uh, Luke tells us in the text I just read, in fact twice, says he was guilty of murder. He not only stole people's possessions, he stole what? People's lives. Barabbas is not a good guy. Barabbas is the villain in the story. Luke also tells us he was guilty of sedition. Um, he was cast into prison for sedition. That word has the idea of being a troublemaker, a rabble rouser. Um, someone's accused me of that recently because we moved inside back in November. Anyway, we won't go down that road. Um, Barabbas has a rap sheet. If you were to walk into the post office in Jerusalem and see pictures of criminals on the wall, guess what? You see Barabbas. If there was a TV show called... Uh, it was, was America's Most Wanted, so here would be Israel's Most Wanted. That's where you'd find it. Notable criminal. And his end, his destiny, is really clear and really simple. What's it going to be? Execution. Death. Oh, by the way, he's going to be executed by the Romans, so how is he going to die? On a cross. That's Barabbas. Rap sheet. Destiny. Execution. Barabbas was in prison for a reason. He wasn't falsely charged. He wasn't um, innocent of what he was accused of. Barabbas was guilty, 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 right? Headed to execution. That's the character of this man. And I want you to see the contrast this morning between Barabbas and Jesus. And I've got a little chart that I think uh, Dave's going to put up for me. And we're going to look first at Barabbas. And these are words you would use this morning, right out of the Bible text, to describe Barabbas. Barabbas is guilty, no question. I mentioned rebel, insurrection, sedition. Uh, He's been a murderer. He's trusted in himself. He's been self-sufficient on his own. Uh, He's a man who is unrighteous, unjust. Uh, We would call this kind of a person what? He is a... Sinner, a criminal, he's a sinner. Um, he took from others, and there's that phrase, son of father. Now, when you contrast Barabbas to Jesus, this is what you get. Here's Jesus. Pilate has said over and over again, this is what kind of a guy? Innocent. No blame. I find no fault. I find no fault. I find. Pilate keeps saying this. I find no fault. I find no fault. He is an innocent man. He's on trial for things he did not do. He's innocent. He's done nothing amiss. You'll find that phrase in the text. When he's on the cross, they said he saved others, let him save himself. Uh, He trusted God. Jesus is a righteous man. In fact, if you were to read all four of the Gospels, which is probably not a bad idea, right? I don't know, anyone else read through the Gospels with me this year? There you go. So, if you read through the Gospels and you compare all these accounts, uh, one of the things you find is a little snippet of detail that Pilate had a wife. And his wife had a nightmare. A really bad dream. And this dream terrified her. And the result of this dream was, she said to Jesus, 
don't have anything to do with this righteous man. Contrast. Oh, by the way, Jesus was the Son of God, the Father, right? And so, as you look at the Scriptures, there's this stark contrast between Barabbas and Jesus. Jesus is the innocent one. Jesus is the one that should be released. Jesus is the one that should be cut loose and turned free. So Pilate has a problem. Pilate is in a difficult place. He's especially in a difficult place for a person who lacks strength of character. Because you can't please the mob and your wife and the Roman government and please Jesus all at the same time, right? Was it Abraham Lincoln who was, had that famous quote, you can please all the people some of the time? But there's no, you can't please all those groups with one decision. So Pilate's in a tough place. And so he's trying to find solutions. And his first solution is he, he's, he's going to turn them, Jesus back over to the Jewish leaders. And the Jewish leaders say, time out, that won't work. We don't have the power of execution. You do. That didn't work. Then Pilate tried to shuffle Jesus off to Herod to get out of that situation. That didn't work. What did Herod do? Send Jesus back. So then Pilate says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll beat him and release him. That should appease the crowd, right? Wrong. So Pilate's looking for solutions. And so he takes the easy way out. What's he do? Releases Barabbas and beats and executes Jesus. So the guilty man goes free. The innocent man goes to the cross. Barabbas and Jesus. And the contrast in the scripture is so strong. So strong. And to this day, Pilate is a man who is pitied and a man who is scorned because of the decision that he made. Of course, if you take a big step back in the providence of God, God's purpose and plan was always what? Jesus go to the cross. So Pilate just was part of, part of God's, God's plan. Contrast, Jesus and Barabbas. And then I want you to notice, thirdly, there's a strong comparison between you and me and Barabbas. We have a lot in common with Barabbas. Are you excited to hear that this morning? No. This criminal, this murderer, you and I have a lot in common with Barabbas. And so, I have this chart up here, but just a reminder, here's all these things about Barabbas, the guilty guy, sedition, rebellion, murderer, unrighteous, unjust, sentenced to death. And so now, how do you and I compare to Barabbas? And so, we get this list up here. Um, we too are guilty, right? If you and I were to stand in God's courtroom before Christ, before faith in Christ, if we were to stand in God's courtroom, the natural man apart from Jesus, standing in God's courtroom, is guilty. What does the scripture say? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I find it helpful when I read that verse to replace the word all with my first name. 
try it with your first name. Just kind of think that verse to yourself with your first name. Roy has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all fall short of God's standard, right? God's standard, His moral standard. And even if you think of it just in terms of the, the, the Ten Commandments. You know, have no other gods before me. Has God always been first? Has God always been number one in your life? You know, we don't have graven idols. We don't make idols out of wooden stone. But so often in life we worship other idols, if you will, whether it's sports celebrities or Hollywood celebrities or money or fame. You know, we, we create other idols in our lives. We all fall short of God's standard. And then you flip the page on that list of Ten Commandments and you got things like lying and stealing and adultery and uh, what's that last? Coveting. We all fall short of God's standard. Agreed? We're just like Barabbas. We stand guilty in God's courtroom. Uh, rebellion. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. That's rebellion, isn't it? Just choosing to do our own thing, go our own way. Before Christ, that probably described, well described most of our lives. Just, you know, what was the phrase back in the 60s? Doing your own thing, right? Uh, that's life. Um, Barabbas was a murderer. You probably haven't killed anybody, right? Not recently, right, Tom? Not recently anyway. Okay. But isn't it interesting that Jesus says if, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. And what Jesus did with the, the Ten Commandments and what Jesus did with God's standard is he made it bigger than just simply the act of murder. He made it the, the heart of murder. And we're all guilty of that. At least I am. I'm guilty. Um, he's unrighteous, unjust. The scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I find I've got way too much in common with Barabbas. What about you? Got a lot in common with this guy. Uh, he was a robber. Took from others. I, I, I've stolen stuff. I don't know about you. Whether it's some little small thing that wasn't worth a whole lot. But most of us, many of us perhaps, fall into that category. Uh, Barabbas was sentenced to death. Oh, by the way, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So I look at Barabbas. And I look at this man who no doubt... Uh, was mean. I would use words to describe him like wicked, evil, sinful. Other words that, you know, that would describe him. And I realize, sadly, in more ways than one, you and I are a lot like Barabbas. A lot like Barabbas. So imagine for a moment that you're Barabbas. Imagine for a moment that you're locked in a cell in Jerusalem and outside you're hearing noise outside you're hearing shouting you're in your cell you know what's coming you know you're going to be executed uh, you've got nothing on your social calendar you've got nothing planned you're just waiting in that cell and you're listening to all the shouting and all the noise that's going on outside and you hear your name being yelled Barabbas Barabbas! And then you hear those other words. What are those other words? Crucify him. Crucify him. And you're Barabbas in your cell. What are you putting together in your head? They're coming after me. You're Barabbas. 
You hear all this yelling, all this going on stuff. And then you hear footsteps. Soldiers coming. And they stop at your cell. They open the door. What are you thinking? They're coming to get me. There's a song with that title, I think. They're coming to get me. They're coming to get me. And Barabbas' expectation in that moment of time is what? It's over. I'm going to be executed. And those soldiers open the door and escort him out. And they say to him those important words. You're free to go. What's Barabbas feeling in that moment? <laughs> great relief, Kathy. Great relief. What else is he feeling? Unbelievable. Yeah, total reversal of fortune, right? What else is he feeling? I'm getting out of this place, right? Right on. So, isn't it fascinating that the scriptures from that moment tell us no more about Barabbas? And so, and I often do this with portions of scripture, I start wondering. I wonder what happened to Barabbas. I wonder what he did. So, did Barabbas just take off, head to the hills, I'm out of here, I'm getting as far away from, if they change their mind, they're not going to find me, I'm I'm gone. I wonder if Barabbas realized that here was an opportunity for him to reform himself, no longer be a criminal, go straight, Live a, you know, be an upstanding citizen. I wonder if that is the path that he took. I wonder if he hung around. I wonder if he was there when Jesus was on his cross. I wonder if Barabbas stuck around. In my mind, I find myself wondering. So, if Barabbas stuck around, if Barabbas saw Jesus on his cross... Would he have expressed thanks to Jesus? I don't know. But I wonder. I wonder what happened to Barabbas after they released him and let him go. (laughs) You ever played Monopoly? (laughs) So in Monopoly, there's this little stack of cards in the middle of the game board, right? I think it's called Community Chest. And uh, you get to draw a card out of there every once in a while if you land on that square. And you might get a card that says tax refund, 100 bucks. Or you might get another card that says you sold property, 200 bucks. Uh, you might get one that says go to go, collect $200. But the card you want the most out of that community chess pile is what? Get out of jail free. <laughs> That's what Barabbas got. Get out of jail free card. Can you imagine? Get out of jail free. <laughs> There's a cartoon that I saw several years ago. BC has always been a favorite comic strip of mine, and you can't see this because it's way too small, right? How are your eyes back there in the back? Can you read that? No, I can hardly read it from here. And so, uh, I think it's BC and Four. I, I can't remember the names of these characters. But... Uh, the one guy says, I hate the term Good Friday. And uh, his friend says, why? And he responds, my Lord was hanged on a tree that day. To which his friend responds, if you were going to be hanged on that day and he volunteered to take your place, how would you feel? Good. 
<laughs> Have a nice day. <laughs> Good Friday. What makes Good Friday good? What makes Good Friday good is that the creator of the universe chose to invade history in the person of Jesus Christ, the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. He lived that perfect, sinless life, and in the plans and the providence of God, he went to the cross, where he died a horrible, awful death. But he didn't die for his wrongdoings. He didn't die for his disobedience. He didn't die for his own sins. He died for, well, first he died in Barabbas' place, but Barabbas got to get out of jail free card. But more importantly today is he died in my place, your place. It should have been me on the cross for my sinful rebellion and disobedience toward God. My failure to measure up to His standard. It should have been me who died on the cross. It should have been you. And instead it was Jesus who died on the cross. I don't know how Barabbas responded to his gift of life. I don't know. But I do know that the scriptures require something from you and me, right? If you've never come to put your faith and your trust in what Jesus did on the cross, what God asks of you, what God requires of you, that you repent, you turn from sin, and turn to Him. Put in your faith and your trust in Jesus' death in your place. And you know, that's not a difficult thing to do once you understand the significance of the cross. It's not a difficult thing to do to turn from sin and turn to Jesus. Put your faith and your trust in Him. Faith alone, by grace alone, faith alone, in Jesus alone. Nothing else. You can't be good enough, you can't do enough good stuff, right? It's because of His death on the cross. And so we come to Jesus, each one of us, personally and individually. At some time in our lives, we come to the foot of the cross and we seek forgiveness. We turn from sin, we ask God to forgive and to cleanse us, and we commit our lives to follow, to worship, to obey. But if you've already done that, what's your response to the message about Barabbas? We should respond with thanksgiving, with gratefulness, with hearts of joy. We should respond with a recommittal of ourselves to walk with Him and follow Him and obey Him. Everything that happened on the cross... There's this chorus we used to sing back in the 70s, I think, and it had a line in it that I've always liked. I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid the debt he did not owe. The Apostle Paul said it best in 1 Corinthians 5, 21. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The beautiful thing about God's forgiveness when you come to the cross, is He not only clears the debits side of your ledger of sin and disobedience and rebellion, He not only cleanses and washes that and takes that away, the debits are gone, all your debts are gone, 
But on the plus side of the ledger, he puts the righteousness of Jesus. And so God looks at you and me, and he sees the righteousness of Jesus. One of my friends told me this week that he had refinanced his house, had pulled out $50,000, and has paid off all of his IRS debt, all of his credit card debt that he's owed for years. Clean, done, and gone. So on a level 1 to 10, where, where was his excitement when he was sharing this with me on the phone the other day? Off the charts! I mean, I've known, I've known Dave 12, 13, I don't know, how, 12, 12 years plus or minus. And I've always known that he struggled with all this indebtedness. It weighed him down. It burdened every decision that he's made for 12 years. And I'm on the phone with Dave, he says, guess what I did today? I paid off all my debts. Seriously? How'd you do that? I refinanced my house. All the debts are gone. That ought to be our response to the cross, shouldn't it? All my debts are gone. And God places the righteousness of, of Jesus into my account. That, that ought to be exciting. A.W. Tozer said it this way, the cross, the cross is the lightning rod of grace that short-circuits God's wrath to Christ so that only the light of His love remains for believers. The lightning of God's wrath headed for you and me that short-circuited at the cross to Jesus. You have to think about that for a while. Just that image, that picture that Tozer was trying to paint. Um, that's just amazing to me. And so this morning... Can you say with me, I am Barabbas? We are. You are. I am. I am Barabbas. Apart from the cross and apart from Jesus and his death in my place, um, I'm worthy of execution, worthy of death. The wages of sin is death. But thank God for the cross. Thank God for Jesus that we've been set free, our debts have been cleared. And we stand before God forgiven and cleansed and free. And if you can't get excited about that, nothing. we should be ten times more excited about that than Dave is about getting all his debts paid off. Ten times more excited. We really should. At least ten times more excited. The old hymn says it this way, I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. For nothing good have I whereby thy grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's Lamb. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, I'll lay my trophies down, all down at Jesus' feet. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it. He washed it.
You and I are Barabbas. And because of the grace of God and the plan of God and the cross of Jesus, we come today to our time of communion having been cleansed, having been forgiven, having that slate cleared. Our hearts ought to be grateful. Our voices ought to speak of our gratitude and our thankfulness. We ought to realize the necessity of sharing the good news of what Jesus has done with others, right? And if you didn't pick up one of these on the way in, if you kind of raise your arm, I think Ron is on the alert back there to hand those out if you didn't get one or want one. So Max needs one over here. Uh, Maggie needs one back there. Um, And these things are kind of tricky. You have to peel off one layer at a time. You peel off the first layer to get to the little little wafer, the little piece of bread. Um, And then there's a second one for the, the juice. You and I are Barabbas. Do you embrace that truth this morning? You and I are Barabbas. And so we ought to be grateful that Jesus hung on a cross. We ought to be grateful that that painful, horrible, awful death was done for us. His body beaten, beaten beyond recognition, right? Why did he do that? For you and for me. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So give him thanks as you take that weight for him and we share it together. Lord, thank you for your broken body. Far beyond what we can even imagine. Being beaten beyond recognition. Thank you for taking my place. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for accepting those those wounds, those beatings for me. Then if you want to take that cup, you've got to be careful peeling that little label off. That whole piece of this is where yeah. either I'm defective or mine I'm defective or mine's defective. You have a better luck with yours than I am with mine. There you go. Thank you. The scripture talks a lot about blood, doesn't it? Some people think too much about blood. The whole Old Testament sacrificial system was based on the the shedding of blood, a sacrifice and substitution for somebody else. The whole whole point of those sacrifices, those Old Testament sacrifices for years and years, was to point forward to the cross and to the blood that, that Jesus would shed. And the writer of the book of Hebrews talks about that and says that the, the blood of bulls and goats was not adequate. The blood of bulls and goats wasn't sufficient. What was sufficient was what? The perfect, spotless Lamb of God. 
the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, the sinless sacrifice. And so when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross again in your place, in my place, not just in Barabbas' place. And he shed his blood for you and for me. The scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, no forgiveness. The shedding of blood was essential, imperative, critical, important. But the blood of Jesus was shed. And again, if we compare ourselves to Barabbas, the reminder this morning is, he died in my place. He shed his blood for me, where I should have died. And so as you take this cup and, and share it together with me, give thanks to God. And then if you take that cup and slip it in that little bag, you can hang on to it and throw it away at the door on the way out, or just lay it down and we'll pick it up for you afterwards. Our goal is to try to keep those cups from dripping on the pews of the carpet, right? Lord, forgive us for taking for granted all that you've done for us. Lord, in the busyness, the hecticness of life, the busyness and the stuff of just daily living, we so quickly forget what you've done for us. We so quickly find ourselves far away from the contemplation of the cross. And so I'm grateful for moments like this where we can Come again to the foot of the cross. Come again to kneel in your presence at the foot of that cross. Come again to give you thanks and praise together. Come again to worship you as we give you thanks for the shed blood, the broken body of our Savior. Lord, forgive us for taking for granted what Jesus did. And cause this morning that as we compare ourselves to Barabbas, compare ourselves to his get-out-of-jail-free card, that we would respond in gratitude and praise and thanksgiving for all that you've done. We might respond with a recommitment of our lives to you, to walk with you, to follow you, to serve you. To recommit ourselves to sharing the good news about Jesus with others friends and neighbors, co-workers. And might we embrace that <laughs> truth of that cartoon. Good Friday is good because we were headed for execution and someone took our place. And that makes Good Friday really, really good. And so we're grateful and we give you thanks together this morning. In the name of our Savior, who led and died for us. We thank you.
says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he did what? Save us. It tells us, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest they mention those. And so be reminded that it's not how good you are, or how good you can do. It's what Jesus did on the cross, right? And that's our, our reminder this morning. If you've never come to that place in your life where you've come to the cross of Jesus and surrendered yourself, who you are, all that you are, and asked Him to come into your life to forgive and cleanse, His, his heart is open wide to that. 24-7-365, wide open. And I encourage you to do that. It helps to talk with someone. I'd love to have that conversation with you or point you to someone else. I have a wild and crazy thought this morning. You're probably used to that by now, right? How many wild and crazy thoughts have I had in the last seven and a half months? I don't know. But I'm thinking, it's been a year, and maybe like me, you would would welcome the opportunity to share a time together around the table in our pre-told service. And I'm thinking Friday night is Good Friday, and traditionally I've always uh, celebrated communion around the table, just like Jesus and his disciples did, and that last supper with a meal, washing the feet and sharing the bread and the cup. And so I kind of had this wild and crazy idea that um, if anyone else besides me has interest, they would let me know, and maybe we could plan uh, if you're comfortable to come. And, We'll probably do something in this first classroom down here. I have to fill out a facility requisition form. I have to get it approved by six people. There's all kind of, you know, it's the bureaucracy around here. Um, but if you would have interest in doing that, I don't want to just come by myself. I mean, I could. But uh, if you have interest in that and say, hey, I'm on board, how can I help? Uh, talk to me, and uh, we'll get together and do that. Can we do that? Sure. Next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we're going to have an awesome Sunday, awesome music, awesome worship, uh, hopefully a passable sermon. And I just want to encourage you and invite someone to come and be here that morning. Will you do that? Yes. Go forth in the power of the risen, soon coming King Jesus. Do that this morning. God bless you much. <laughs>